What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Hungry for Success podcast. I'm your host, Michael Phelps. This is the 20th episode of the show. Uh, That's crazy for me to think. That is 20 weeks, 20 inspiring guests, and I know that I personally have learned a lot. I hope that you guys have too. I hope that it's helping you in some way during your fitness and health journey. I hope it's helping you stay accountable or motivated or inspired or that you learned a couple things. If so, uh, please help the show out by sharing it with your family and friends, sharing it on social media. Whatever you can do is super helpful, and I'm very, very thankful. Also, this is the week after Thanksgiving. So many people fall off during this time. Uh, make sure that you get right back on the wagon. I know that we all had a great time with our family, eating great food, and just enjoying ourselves, but make sure that that doesn't derail you from your goals. All right, and this episode should provide you some inspiration and some motivation to get back after it. I interviewed Jen about her extreme weight loss. Not only did we talk about that, but we covered a lot of different topics in this episode, including why people tend to have a negative perspective of overweight people. It seems that they think just because they're not taking care of their their weight or their health that that goes to all aspects of their life, and that is not necessarily true. We also talked about being goal-oriented people and how that can have extreme highs and extreme lows. And we had a lot of fun in this episode, told some funny stories that I think you guys will enjoy. So, uh, without further delay, here she is, Jen. Jen, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am doing great. It's been a little bit of a crazy week with uh, some more COVID shutdowns coming and craziness at work and just getting out of the routine in general. Um, but I wanted to start off and ask you, how has how uh, the COVID been for you? Is it affecting you right now in your, in your weight loss journey and the whole, the whole thing? Well, I'm in Ohio. So as everybody in all of the nation knows, Governor DeWine um, put a curfew on us at 10 o'clock. Um, and that started on Thursday. So uh, it's definitely going to start affecting um, you know, some, some things again, like it did earlier in the year. Uh, but I have a plan this time. <laughs> um, where last time it was just, you know, run when I can. Uh, so yeah, I, um, I uh, am definitely more prepared this time than I was last time. Gotcha. Um, so I'm in Kentucky, like we're basically oh, we're not far from each other. Yeah. And uh, I think our governors do kind of like a mirror image. Like we don't have a curfew, but a lot of the whenever you guys put in restrictions, we kind of do the same. Um, yeah. So I, I did like what you said there that you have a plan this time. So so last time that was it a struggle whenever their shutdowns happened? So last time um, it was like, I think I think everybody can say this, like last time it was like the situation where we were just like, what do we do? You know? And it was like this whole new turf for everyone. And so like when the gym shut down, I started to lean on, which I'm sure Denise and um, Jeff touched on um, my running group. And so we were like, well, you know, gyms are closed, but running, you know, you could still go and run. So we started signing up for virtual races and like, you know, just doing whatever virtual race that we could. I was looking up stuff on YouTube. I mean, I think at one point I was making my husband sit on my couch so I could like squat my couch. (laughs) Like (laughs) I was just doing everything I could because I wanted to keep moving. And then I lost motivation. And I think a lot of people really felt that like, 
there's a part where you're like, we got this, we got this. And you try to stay as positive as you can. And then it gets, everybody runs out of steam eventually, you know, and I, uh, I experienced just a tiny bit of, a lot of bit of regain. <laughs> so, but, um, I definitely jumped back on track and, um, I lost, uh, all of my regain and I'm moving forward. And then again, now I have a plan. So, you know, we have some weights here at the house now and, um, I have some things that I'm going to try to implement, but also my running, I'm going to continue with that. Yeah. I mean, that's great to hear that, you know, you've kind of taken that first time as a lesson mm -hmm. and implementing some new strategies and like the regain during the thing. I mean, there was literally a term, you know, like the quarantine 15, like it's, it's a completely normal thing that a, a lot of people have gone through. Luckily, I don't know. I kind of like saw that this, or I kind of felt like this was going to be a long-term thing. So I tried to figure out how I could use it as an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I actually, Denise that we both know, and she was my very first guest, I actually interviewed her like right during the middle of the very first shutdown. Yeah. Because when it happened, I was like, I'm going to use this extra time to start a podcast that I've always wanted to do. And you know, and that's when I met her and she's been awesome and helped me in like a lot of different ways through the podcast. Um, so I think it's really cool that, that you're using it for good this time. Um, but before we get too far into this, I want to give you an opportunity to, uh, share your story. Uh, I'm sure that your story is relatable to a lot of the people listening here, um, today. So just, uh, give us the overview. I think I have basically the same story everybody else has um it uh i um kind of wrote some notes down because i can i can ramble a little bit um so i am coming up on three years of um a surgiversary i had bsg um i was having a lot of health complications and um i wasn't feeling well and so the the worse I started to feel and the more complications I started running into, I remember telling myself like, you, you have to, you have to turn this around, you know? And so I remember like going to see a doctor and after like my third doctor that I went and seen, cause they were all suggesting weight loss surgery. I finally was like, okay, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I thought this was just for morbidly obese, obese people, but like, I'll do it. And I remember my doctor looking at me and being like, you are morbidly obese. <laughs> and it's like, I guess you trick yourself, you know, like you genuinely trick yourself into thinking like, I'm not that big. <laughs> and I, um, I remember at one point uh, to kind of, to go a little back and forth. So, you know, I grew up with weight problems my whole life and um maybe differently than other people. Uh, I had a mother that um, was very weight oriented. And so, you know, she was always pushing me to be better. Um, and she wanted me to be the best uh, version of myself that I could be. I played competitive volleyball in high school. And so she would monitor my weight. And it was something that we did every single day. And we would work out every single day. And so when I... Um, graduated high school when I moved out, I kind of swung the other way pretty hard. <laughs> I had never had a scale in my house and I never really wanted to associate myself with any of that stuff. Um, just because I saw what kind of mental and physical 
like damage it did to her, so to speak. And so I didn't want to be that involved with it. And so I just, you know, I did what I wanted for a really long time. Again, I started running into these health complications that I was telling you about. I had a severe headaches every single day. I was tired. Um, I was, you know, trying to maintain school and two jobs and uh, I was struggling. I graduated college and thought that things were going to go, you know, a lot better and I continued to feel much worse. Um, things weren't improving. So I went and seen a doctor because I started seeing like spots in my vision um, and my vision was getting very blurry uh, and I was starting to have heart palpitations and I had like a mild fainting episode at work. So I went and saw a doctor and they were nervous that I had um, like a brain tumor or something that was pushing. And so they did a CAT scan and I remember laying in the CAT scan and just being like, this is it. And that's like that defining moment that you always ask everybody about. But I remember like laying there and being like, this can't be the end. And um, I knew in that moment that no matter what happened, that I, I like, if I was going to be okay, I had to turn everything around. But, you know, before all those things started, like I just continued to allow myself to gain weight and just do whatever I wanted. And I was on autopilot. And I remember I stepped on a scale at the gym and it said 430 pounds. And I was like, there's no way and I got off and I got back on and it, it did it again. So I went to the store and I bought like uh, one of those regular, like real basic looking scales that only went up to 300 pounds and it wouldn't go any further than that. So I had to go and buy another scale and it was a digital scale and it said 429 pounds. And I just sat there like, this isn't real. Like, I think everybody goes through that. Like they go through that moment where like this really, this isn't real. Like this didn't, I'm not really here. So, um, you know, I went and saw a series of doctors and um, that's when all the um, testing started um, because I was having some vision problems and stuff and then the heart palpitations. I ended up getting diagnosed with several different things and that's when the doctor started talking to me about you know, seeking weight loss surgery to help correct them. Um, and uh, so I end up having um, VSG the day after the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl, which is a very defining moment for me. But yeah, so it like marked a beginning of what was for me a very successful weight loss journey. That's awesome. And, you know, you, you kind of started off saying that your story is like the same as a lot of people's. Everybody's story is, you know, pretty much the same in some way, but there's defining characteristics of everyone's story that each of us can learn from and take away. And like one of the things that stood out to me about what you just said was like the self-talk that you had, right? Like you said at one point that you thought to yourself, this is it, I got to turn this around. So self-talk for me, you know, I have like a lot of positive and negative self-talk, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I talk very badly to myself, but it's usually <laughs> in the gym and I'm like, get your shit together. <laughs> like, you know, and it's like, I'm screaming at myself in my own mind. And sometimes in my mind, I'm like my biggest hype person. Like, Oh, you just mm -hmm. made a good decision and got, you know, grilled chicken or something like that. And I'm like, right. hyping myself <laughs> up. So is self-talk something that you've uh, like always used or always had or struggled with or you know, because in that moment, that self-talk is what, you know, I guess helped change your mindset. I mean, yes. 
I feel like self, I have a talk with myself every day. That might sound a little bit crazy, but um, every day I, you know, I always kind of like check in with myself and just like try to, I I try to be a little bit better than I was the day before. Um, I am anybody that that's in my running group or anybody that's friends with me can tell you that I can be pretty negative towards myself, but not that way with other people. Um, and it's, it's not so much that I'm like, you know, think that I'm a horrible person or anything. I just think that I can always do better. And, um, you know, again, tapping back on what I was talking about with my childhood, my mom really just wanted me to be the best version of myself as did my dad. And so my parents were always pushing me to be better. And so it's just like, in my mind, there's always room to grow. There's always room to improve. When you think that you have done your absolute best on something, you got to figure out how to make it even better. And you celebrate those accomplishments by telling yourself like, this is really good, but then always setting another goal. So you enjoy it for the moment and then you set another goal and you move forward. And I feel like that's important, you know, no matter who you are. Yeah, I'm an extremely like goal oriented person. And, you know, I always have to have a date on the calendar to be getting better. If not, I'm definitely getting worse. Same. But the thing about that is like you hit those goals and it's great in the moment. But the next day, like if your thought process is that way, the next day it's like, okay, what's next? And you're just like right back on the grind, which is like it's good and it's bad because, yes, you know, because hitting those goals is a high but it just doesn't it doesn't last like you have to find it's weird you have to find a way to be like happy with yourself and not just relying on those goals have you experienced that yes very much so i i would say that exactly what you said is something i'm currently struggling with so over the summer our running group talked about like running half marathons and like pushing for that because I was supposed to do the flying pig half marathon this year. It was my first marathon, the worst marathon that you can pick you from being from Kentucky would know this running in Cincinnati, the Hills, not the best half marathon to pick, but I was bound and determined I was going to do it. I had been training and then they canceled it because of COVID, which is, you know, I get it. And I was, bummed for a second, but I was like, you know what? It's not going to stop me. And so when we talked to everybody in the running group, because everybody, that's when we were supposed to have one of our biggest like running group meetups, everybody was going to try to fly in and everybody was going to try to, to run a portion of it because it offers a 5k, a 10k, a half marathon, a marathon. I think um, there were some people in the group that were looking at the marathon portion. Most of us were looking at the half marathon. Some people were doing the 10k. So um, when I got canceled, we all were like, well, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to move forward? And I was just like, let's just, let's just go ahead and just still do it. Like, let's still do what we said we were going to do. And this was, you know, still during COVID. So I ran 0.56 loops around my apartment complex until I hit a half marathon. And uh, that was mentally a struggle. Um, but yeah, it's like you said, it's those mental blocks that you, you're, you're those mental, um, goals that you set for yourself where you tell yourself, like, I'm going to reach this goal. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I don't know if you're like that in that aspect, but for me, it's like, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Like if I would have fell and sprained my ankle in the first mile of my half marathon, I would have still drug myself through another 12 miles because I said I was going to do it. Like. And that's ridiculous for some people, 
but when you tell yourself you're going to do something, you, you do it in, in, in every aspect of your life. If you say you're going to be there, if you say you're going to do it, you say you're going to show up, you do it. Like that's just how I was raised. And so, yeah, I, I, it, it sets you up for a lot of disappointment though, because you're like, I hit this goal. Well, now what do I do? Because you spent all of your time reaching that goal, you get there. And weight loss surgery, I know so many people in the community that suffer from this. And it's one of the biggest and the hardest blocks that everybody hits. And it's right at a year to a year and a half out. You lose weight, you make your goal, you want to hit a number, you want to come close to that number, you want to do something, you want to do something big because you did this like really big thing, you did this thing for yourself finally. And then people aren't clapping as much and people aren't as excited and you stop being less excited for yourself because those big goals that you were setting or those little goals that you're setting to get to your big goal, you've completed. So it's this huge like sigh, like, oh, I finally got it. But then you're like, now what? I feel like that's something that a lot of people can relate to. Yeah. And that's when you have to turn to something else, like another date on the calendar. Uh, There's a guy, a big fitness guy, Corey Gregory, and he's actually from Ohio. He, you know, preaches always having a date on the calendar. Mm -hmm. And that's basically something to work towards a goal, right? A goal that you're shooting for. But one thing for people like you and I who are really goal oriented and have those like big highs whenever you, you know, you hit it and then it's kind of like a sigh the next day. This is something that like in my head that I'm working on, I'm not great at it, um, is I'm trying to not rely as much on the goal, but more so not like the highs from the goal, the goal, but more so the fact that I can accomplish any goal that I set my mind to. Like I'm Mm -hmm. learning to appreciate myself for that and find, you know, happiness in that and kind of like, it's made me more, it's made me happier to set those goals because once I hit it, it's not like as big a sigh. It's like, okay, I can do that. What else can I do? And it's not like, you know, used to, it's like, oh, I ran, I ran my first half marathon. Right. And it was like, great. As soon as I finished, like I had this like big overwhelming joy. And then literally I was like, oh, well, what am I gonna, you know, do next? Yeah. And like now it's more so like I finished something and it's like, hell yeah, I can accomplish that. Like, what's the next thing that I can do? Because I can accomplish anything I put my mind to. And, you know, just kind of like a a perspective shift of like, you know, I'm just appreciating myself for the things I can do instead of just like a regular grind of like, I have to do something. And that is like, that's really helped me because I am a person that has to have that date on the calendar because whenever I'm just trying to maintain i'm not like actually trying to get better is when i fall off the wagon that's really good advice and that's something that i've been in a sense trying to implement like i guess maybe i really didn't see it the way that you said it but i was trying to figure out a way to like wrap my brain around it like that just because like you said after my first half marathon i was like this is great and so we did that for um running my best life's birthday. So several of us did the half marathon for that. My birthday was like a couple weeks later. So we did it for my birthday because we were, we were like, we'll run another half marathon. But I, instead of doing the 13 miles that I, that I already knew I could do, I was like, what else can I do? So I made a goal before 
you know, I went out that I was going to do 14 miles. So I did, you know, and, and that was a kind of like, kind of the same mindset I was trying to do, but then I'm still running into that when I'm done. I'm like, well, what now? You know, and I, and I know there's like 15, you know, there's an endless amount of miles I can keep doing, but, um, and that's one of the things I think that I love about running is like, you, you can't conquer it. You, you'll never just conquer it. You can't just be like, I did that. Like you could say you run a marathon, but I mean, you can still keep going too. There's ultra marathons and all kinds of stuff, triathlons and whatnot. So yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why I like it so much. So the marathon that you did like, uh, or half marathon you did like virtually around your apartment complex, mm-hmm. was that your first half marathon? So my first half marathon was uh, for Jeff's birthday. And yes, uh, it I did that in the 0.56 loops. June, things started to like lift a little bit more. Um, and so that was the other big thing for me because I had always just ran around here because um, it was like a little comfort zone, like a little bubble. Um, and it's just around a lake where I live. Um, and I, uh, so my second one, I actually was like, I'm going to do this today. Like I can do this. And so I just put on a hydration pack and I went and I ran all over the area that I live in. And it was like, it made it so much easier because it's like treadmill running. Nobody wants to do a half marathon on a treadmill Mm -hmm. and nobody wants to do a half marathon in a tiny little 0.56 loop. So, yeah. So I think that is like, so, you know, like inspirational that, you know, your first half marathon is, with no one around just running like half mile loops around your house. Like that's nuts to me because the half marathon that I ran, like half of like me getting through it was like, there was literally, it was in downtown Louisville. It was the Kentucky Derby half marathon. And so there's literally like a band on the side of the street with like symbols and like trumpets. Just rooting and, and you so, on. <laughs> yeah. Like rooting you on. And it's like a, the biggest like hype zone you come to like, you go through these neighborhoods and there's people like with handing you beers or shots if you want them. Like it's, you know, it's kind of wild a little bit. And, um, you know, that hype like carries you on. Um, but I do have to tell you the story. So my wife is, uh, she's a big runner. She's from Cincinnati actually. Mm -hmm. And so she's ran, uh, the queen bee and the, uh, um, what's the one that you just said, the The flying pig pig and, Mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff. And, this year she's probably run like 14 or 15 half marathons if I had to guess but this year she had set her goal to run a marathon and we were going to go to Virginia and she was going to run a whole marathon and um that was like right when COVID hit and you know she was super super bummed out and then the morning of she woke up and she was like I'm running, I'm running this marathon and she uh she got up and then went to like a park by her house and she ran the 26 miles like at a park by herself. And then luckily I was able to get like a couple of friends together and like we went to the park and like held up some signs and cheered her on, but awesome. it's okay. It's okay. But, uh, My it's all right. Um, but you know, we were able to cheer her on and that was just like one of the most, inspirational things to me because like I just can't imagine doing that for your very first time yeah it was definitely like you said race like race day there's something very different and unique about that you get there there's a music there's a hype there's you know sometimes there's friends but I will say that the majority of the running that I did before my half marathon I did alone 
I would show up to races by myself. And that's the kind of person I am. I always have to do something alone first so I don't embarrass myself. (laughs) And then the second time I'll do it around other people. So every time I've ever ran a race, I ran the first one by myself to make sure that I could do it. And then the second one I would run with other people. (laughs) So in my opinion, I I absolutely hate running. Like I think it's the worst thing in the world. Um, so, but when you're running, it's literally just you and your thoughts, right? It's a lot of mental fortitude. Like I, whenever I run, I want to quit before I get out of my driveway. And so like the whole time, (laughs) the whole time is just like mental torture. Like I'm fighting myself, like one step in front of the other, keep going, keep going. Like, and then I just like coach myself, like, okay, you've made it one minute. If you can make it two, do that. If you can make it three, do that. So what is that like for you? How do you get through 14 miles? Um, well, I am, I am on, um, day two thirty-two of a running streak. Okay. Um, awesome. I started with a couple people in my group and, um, there uh, is one other person that's continuing with me. And then there's another person that's a little bit farther ahead of me. And this relates to getting through all this by being inspired. Um, you know, you, you have one, I have a person that's relying on me every day to be like, I did this, or are you doing your mile, which has been way more motivational than I ever expected. I never expected to lean so hard on one person to like keep moving forward, but it is every day. I'm like, I'm getting out there. I'm doing something, but also having a friend that's, you know, um, farther ahead of me showing me that, you know, you can do it and keep pushing through. There's actually, there's a couple people in the community that are, that are streaking, that are doing that, that I probably don't realize that I'm watching them, but I am. That sounds really creepy, but it's not. Especially when you say they're streaking and you're watching them. (laughs) No. Context is everything. (laughs) I hope nobody (laughs) logs into this and that's the first part that they hear. I'm just going to cut out that clip. They're streaking and I'm watching watching them. them. And and they don't know it. Yeah, and they don't know it. And I'm going to put that on social media. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, it, uh, but it's, there's a lot of people in the community that are incredibly inspiring and they don't know it. And, um, you know, I try to clap for them and tell them how great they are, but you know, a lot of people are just like, meh, I'm just doing it. But that's, that's what got me through a lot of my mileage. Like, Oh gosh, this is so embarrassing to admit, but after a while music got to be too much for me because you know, you being a runner yourself, tempo can really mess with you. So when you're listening to music, you'll push yourself too hard or you'll slow down and um, it'll uh, cause you to burn out quickly. So I started listening to The Office like a podcast Okay. (laughs) and it would just kind of like help me check my brain out. So I always start off... um, running and I'll listen to a little bit of music and then I'll stop and I'll just listen. So I'll listen to my heart rate and my feet. Um, sometimes I'll chat with people from my running group when I'm running just to kind of break up the, um, you know, I guess to like try to have a conversation and get my mind off things. Um, and then usually towards the end, I'll, I'll turn on like an episode or two of the office and I'll just listen to it while I'm running. Um, and it just kind of helps get me through. So my long runs, I just did a 10 mile run, um, not to get political, but, uh, another group that I'm in, we said, if our candidate won, we were going to run 10 miles. And so I did, 
Um, and me and like six other people did. We all jumped in and we just did it because, you know, we said we would. And that's what I did for my 10 mile run was I, um, I talked to two different people on the phone and um, then I listened to the office. So you're the first person to ever call me a runner. Um, that's, that's <laughs> are you not a runner? No, I but you run. run. No, not now. Not I at was, all. You just stopped. Yo, yeah, I stopped. You conquered it. I conquered it. No, no. I, I, I actually, I actually ran uh, the half marathon on a bet. Like I went from zero running to running the half marathon because the guy said I couldn't and he'd give me two hundred dollars if I could. So I was like, okay, here we go. And um, how do I sign up for that race? I don't know, but <laughs> you know, it was it was literally like my best friend and we were just kind of talking shit back and forth, and then you know we made a bet and. I won because I ran it on um, and I mean I trained for it and stuff and I had ran I had run some um so my mother-in-law is a big runner she's ran the Boston Marathon a couple times and stuff and she hosted like a local 5k and so oh, nice. I, I ran that um every year and uh so like that's the only running I, I had done is like one uh half marathon or one 5k per year and then you know this bet came up and and I ran it and that was two years ago and in all total combined i probably haven't ran 14 miles since then like at all that hurts me a little bit uh, it's just, i gave you the title of a runner and you don't even deserve it. I'm just i know kidding. that that's why i no. turn around and like shut it down that's not no me. but you are a runner you ran a half marathon like that's something you can say like i run your wife runs your mother-in-law runs you've you're affiliated with a family that does it. And I think that at any point you could probably like seeing that you're pretty physically fit, you could probably go out and at least bust out a 10 K. Right. I mean, yeah, you're probably I, pretty confident in that. I think I could do that. Like I did, uh, do you know what the Murph workout is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I did, I did the Murph and I literally hadn't ran or hadn't run in like a long time. And I was able to do, uh, I think it was like an eight minute mile, both times the first and last time. So, you know, I mean, but that's like running as hard as I can, you know, and I couldn't do that for a long period of time. But I did see I did see a meme. Somebody sent it to me yesterday and it was like, uh, whatever I do, I just don't want to marry into a family that does five five K's on holidays. And I'm like, that is me. That, hap that happened. <laughs> that to happened me. to you. <laughs> I made my family like that. Like um, my husband is, uh, he has been um, very supportive of my running. In the beginning, he did join me. He does not anymore, <laughs> which is why I made a running group. Um, but, uh, you know, he was very supportive. And I remember one holiday, one Thanksgiving, we signed up for the, and it's so embarrassing to say, the one mile fun run. And it was the very first time I had ever ran outside. Um and I ran from start to finish, which I mean, to some people, they're like, okay, it's one mile. But I did it like on Thanksgiving morning. And I remember being like, I'm going to do this forever. <laughs> <laughs> and so like every Thanksgiving since then, we have signed up for these, um, for the turkey trot in our area. This will be the first year that we won't be doing it. I'll still be doing it. We still have the stuff. I'm going to do it outside in my little 0.56 mile loops. but. I'm going to, you know, it's, it's a tradition. Like I know it's terrible to run on a holiday, but it's kind of like a gift to yourself. I know that sounds really corny, but it is, it's like a gift. Like you couldn't do this before. You can do this now. Show yourself that you can still keep doing it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's super rewarding. <laughs> it's, it's good to feel that way. Like, you know, going into the holiday, knowing you're about to eat some bad food, it's super rewarding feeling, but I, I have to tell you another story cause it's hilarious. So you were talking about your, um, your husband running with you at first. So whenever I first like started kind of trying to run five K's, like I, my wife was running with me, like at my pace. Cause I was, you know, I was well over 300 pounds at this point whenever I was doing it. And so it's like the second 5k I've ever run and she's she's staying slow to be with me and we can like see the finish line she's like oh my gosh I have to go to the bathroom so bad and they had like some bathrooms like lined up right there so as soon as she goes in I took off sprinting as hard as I could and I finished the race and she comes out and like I'm just standing there at the finish line and then I proceeded to tell everyone I knew that I beat her in a 5k <laughs> and she's a super competitive person so she, oh my gosh I had to upset her so bad yeah she never wanted to let me win again so <laughs> she's been on high alert ever since <laughs> so because of you she stays dehydrated for every race <laughs> oh yeah exactly so one thing I wanted to, to move to was you talked about this idea of group accountability with mm -hmm. your running group so I'm sure like you don't want to let these people down, right? Mm -hmm. So, so on those days that you don't want to run or it's cold outside or any of that kind of stuff, you're like, I got to, because I have these people like supporting me. Right. The, so that is very powerful. And a lot of people don't have that. Right. But I guess the opposite side of that is you have to have some self accountability mm -hmm. because while your running group holds you accountable to that and maybe some other things, you know, you don't have people there whenever you're driving down the road and you want to pull into McDonald's or you're at the gas station and you want to get a candy bar or whatever your thing is, you know, so how do you hold yourself accountable? Let me start off. First of all, with saying I still go to McDonald's and I still get candy bars. <laughs> yeah. Which um, is okay. But <laughs> I just however, like to do those things in excess. <laughs> yes. We, I don't do them in excess anymore. One, like my, obviously my tool doesn't allow me to, to live the life I lived before. Um, there is a picture of me that someone took uh, at um, my bridal shower that just sticks in my head. And I remember <clears throat> they, were, they were getting ready to throw this big bridal shower for me. And I, I said from the beginning, like, cause I, I don't want attention or like a lot of people around me. And so um, I was like, please don't, throw a bridal shower and they're like, we're going to throw you a bridal shower. Like you have to be prepared. You have to be ready for it. And I went to like four different stores looking for a dress. Um, and they didn't have anything in four X. And I just, I, I just was like, I was devastated. I was devastated to not even be able to feel beautiful on a day that like was going to be really special for me. Um, so I ended up getting this like, this like black, I don't know. It just ended up just being like a really boring black looking dress. Um, and it was a five X so it would fit so I could be comfortable for my bridal shower. And that is something that will stick with me for the rest of my life. Does that hold me accountable in every situation? No, but it's still like, I think everybody has that moment or that thing that like, just stuck out like a thumb and like it just 
like every, every single one of us has felt those moments where we tried to get on a ride at like Cedar Point or Kings Island. We couldn't fit. Um, you know, we tried to get in the back seat with all of our friends and, you know, not all of us could fit because you were the bigger one. You know, uh, just all these moments in our life collectively that just remind us that we felt like burdens because we were big people. You know what I mean? Like we just felt like we were not good because we were big. And like, it sounds ridiculous, but the kind of person that I was raised, it's like this weird shame kind of hangs over my head still. And three years out, it's just like, it's still there. Like, and it's not shameful to be big by any means, but I just associated it with that for so long that like, if I think about those things or if I try to indulge in those things, I allow myself just a little bit and then I go right back to it because you don't, you don't want to relive those things. You don't want to relive those embarrassing moments where you couldn't do your job properly because you weighed too much or you couldn't, you know, properly take care of someone that you loved because you weighed too much. So it's just like all the things that I can do now that I couldn't do before feel so much better than any Reese's peanut butter Christmas tree ever could. <laughs> That's that very sounds, specific, but it's my favorite. <laughs> that sounds delicious. They are, they are delicious. Um, yeah. So the experiences, like I was just talking about the Murph and how fast mm -hmm. I ran, like I could not have done the Murph. Well, you know, I probably could have done the Murph at Mahalias, right? But it would have been absolutely terrible. I would have hated my, like, I don't want to say you that I couldn't it. because there's people out there who are trying to get healthy and they're bigger or as big as I was. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're doing stuff like that. So like it could have been done, but you know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done those things. You know, and I wouldn't have like wanted to go to Cedar Point and tried to get on a roller coaster, like just for the fact that I might not have fit. Right. And one of those times that sticks out to me was I was uh, when I was at my heaviest, I was at a bar and there was a mechanical bull. And as soon as I walked up to the thing, he was like, nope, there's a 300 pound weight limit. You can't be in. And like he didn't ask how much I weighed or anything like that. He was like, nah, dog, there's a 300 pound weight limit. So like just something like that, you know, sticks out in your head of like, mm -hmm you don't want to be that person limited by your weight. Mm -hmm. So one thing that you said there that I do want to talk about was you said there's no, there's nothing like wrong with being heavy. There's nothing wrong with being big. And I a hundred percent agree with that. So like, why do you think there is such a stigma around? Oh, maybe that's not the way to put it. Like, so some people see heavy people and they think that's a lazy person. That person is gross. That person is, you know, whatever they're thinking. Why do you think that there's like such a stigma around that? I do think diet culture um, really played a lot into that. What, 80s, 90s, maybe even the 70s. I mean, I wasn't alive then, so I don't know. Um, again, like I had touched on it before my... Um, my mom was pretty extreme about it and her mom was too. So it spilled over from her to my mom, to me. And so it was the way I was raised. Like, and I grew up in a small town where everybody was just like, 
it was something that was said, like, if you're fat, nobody's ever going to love you or you're never going to find a man, you know? And it's like so weird to stop and think about that. Like that people would say that to you. And um, I still hear people saying stuff like that now, especially in a time where we're so body positive and we're trying to lift people up or lift each other up. I think that people equate fat to being unsuccessful. You know what I mean? Like hundred percent agree. My job is very physical. I'm a veterinary technician and I am on the floor wrestling Rottweilers and like, you know, pit bulls, just trying to clean their ears and do all kinds of stuff at 400 plus pounds. That was insanely hard to do. As a a woman that lifts and runs now, I mean, I'm the first person that gets tagged in like all the time. And that is an awesome feeling. But I think when I was heavy, I think people were just like, she's not going to be capable of doing that because she can't get on the ground very well. And so I think that people just equate, you know, fat or large or heavy to just being unable to succeed in any aspect when that's not true at all. Like genetics and, you know, everything else can play into it. And and I just feel like we have literally been conditioned to believe that diet and exercise is the only way that you should live a healthy life. And that if you are still big and you're doing those things and you're not doing it enough or you're not successful. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. And I've said this a couple of times on the show, people are probably tired of he- hearing me say this, but so, there's a lot of people who are big, who are overweight, and it's just all about the wrong priorities. Like they're killing it in so many other parts of their life. Like I use myself as an example is like when I was at my heaviest, I was, I was working a full-time job, uh, at a huge company, um, getting a master's degree and like, you know, having a great relationship with my wife, got, got engaged at my heaviest, like the whole thing. I was like doing so many other parts of my life, right. But it was like not concentrating on my health and like focusing so heavily on those other goals that led me to where I got to. And so I'm guilty of it myself. Like I, you know, I saw a very overweight person in the gas station the other day. And what's funny about the story is like, they were literally kind of being aggressive with the cashier over Reese cup Christmas trees. A hundred percent. I'm not even kidding. I feel attacked. Like I feel personally attacked <laughs> no, right but now. Th- this lady was like, are you serious? You don't have the Christmas trees. And the lady's like, not yet. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know. <laughs> And, you know, I even like, it's something that's like natural for some reason. Like I even had like a stigma in my head. Like, why are you making that decision? Like, why are you hounding this lady over these Christmas trees? And, you know, like I had to take a step back and like look at myself and it's like, you don't know what that person is like doing outside of that. Like, why does it matter? You know? And so it's something that I try to say is like, just because a person is overweight does not mean that they are lazy. Just because a person is overweight does not mean that, you know, they're just making terrible choices all the time in every aspect of their life. You don't know what is going on in people's lives. So you can't make that assumption, but it happens all the time. And it it's weird. Cause I really think that, you know, okay, I might be going down a rabbit hole here, but maybe from like an evolutionary standpoint, like we are like designed to think that because we want people who are fit and who can provide and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I, I don't know. I'm not. I agree with you. But, you know, maybe that is why there's like a natural stigma towards it, but I don't know. 
There's three things I want to touch on on that, if that's okay. First of all, I would have been that woman arguing because anybody on that's listening to this right now can say that the Christmas trees are the perfect chocolate to peanut butter ratio. I would have been upset. I think it's extra peanut butter, right? (laughs) Yes. That's why they're so important. Secondly, you brought up something that uh, I actually wanted to make sure I talked about today, which was, I think that's why so many things change for people when they start to work out. And it was the only time that I ever lost support from anybody in my family. And that's when I stopped doing everything else and I started focusing on myself and I started getting serious. Like I started to get really serious about losing weight and working hard. And what I did, and I think you can agree, everybody can agree. This is why every one of somebody's relationships have failed at some point with the weight loss journey is you stop putting everybody before you and you start putting yourself first. Yeah. And then that's when you start meal prepping and you're working out and you're like, I can't go out and drink with you guys because you know, I got a race the next day. I can't go out and do this tonight with you guys because I'm going to go and lift with you know my trainer. You're making big moves in your life to do these incredible things. It's just, someone said this to me the other day. You had those friends at 400 pounds for a reason. Mm-hmm. They lived a 400 pound lifestyle. They may not have been 400 pounds, but that's the lifestyle that they lived. So when you stop doing that, the people that were used to that, that you spent time with, start to kind of fall off and start to see you as being selfish or being self-centered because it's not the life that they live. And then they start to feel kind of bad because you're moving forward and they're staying the same. Or it could just be like, well, why, why are you suddenly just only about yourself? And it's like, but I'm not like, I'm, I'm trying to be a healthier version of myself so I can be around longer so I can spend more time with everybody. You know, I I'm trying to be the best version of myself. And I think a lot of people really equate that to being selfish. And I'm telling you right now, anybody that listens to this, if anybody at all is struggling with this, please don't think that that's selfish. It's the best thing that you can do for yourself. Like if those people love you, they'll come back. But it is, you you have to think about yourself. And I think a lot of overweight people don't. And that's one of the biggest reasons why they become overweight. They stop thinking about themselves and they stop putting, you know, they put themselves last and you, you've got to remember, put yourself first sometimes. That sounds really selfish, but I still stick by it. <laughs> I'm a hundred percent with you. I think you have to be selfish. I mean, it, I can't be your friend if I'm not here. So, no, um, exactly. and then whenever it comes down to having a health scare, like, you know, like you were talking about, you know, where you're having those health issues, like that's the point that you're at. I mean, if you're not selfish, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna be around. Like it sounds selfish, but it's really not because you're doing it for yourself, but also for other people. Yeah. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think a lot of people don't see that though. They don't equate to you taking the time to take care of yourself to truly like doing it in the end for them. And, you know, you don't have to tell them that you're doing it for them they'll eventually see that. But you, you really do. You have to put yourself first. I mean, I, like I was talking about before when I got that CAT scan and they, I hadn't told anybody, not my husband didn't even know. Like when they were like, you might have a brain tumor. Like we need to go have a CAT scan. Cause I was like losing vision and I didn't know what was going on. And I remember 
I'm claustrophobic. <laughs> so I remember being in there and I was like, I do this thing where I like count backwards and I was like talking myself through stuff, that self-talk again. And I'm like, you can do this. You can do this for 15 seconds at a time. And I would like, you know, got myself through that and I, I got out of it. And then they contacted me and told me I had um, pseudo tumor cerebri, which my brain was literally mimicking that I had a brain tumor because I was fat. That's oh, literally what was happening. That's crazy. <laughs> and I was on medication for it and like all these things. I, I can't even begin to tell you like how terrifying, <laughs> how terrifying it is to think that you're dying because you're fat. And like I, everybody's experienced it. Something's happened to where everybody's like, oh, whoa, I need to get my life in check. But like, you know, I had a series of other tests done and they found out I had some, um, I got a birth defect called Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome, which is why I was having palpitations. Um, you know, I found out I had PCOS. I found out, uh, you know, high blood pressure. You know, the doctor's just sitting here listing off all these things and I still struggled to get somebody to do surgery on me. Like I still struggled. And that's, again, that's the part of where you're being selfish, where you're just like, I have to put myself first. And I was not, I went and saw so many different doctors. Finally, I found a doctor that's like, we'll figure this out. We're going to chart your weight. We're going to do this. And then after six months, she turned it into insurance. And I had to wait another three months because she was fighting them about it because of all my comorbidities and my weight. And finally, you know, I, they, they um, approved it and I had it, but there's some people that literally go in and they see a doctor and they're approved for it and there you want to lose 50 pounds. And part of me just really, really wants to shake those people. <laughs> but, you know, also I'm really proud of them for finding a way to take care of what they needed to take care of. Because at the end of the day, every single person that's had VSG or RNY, at the end of the day, you couldn't do it on your own. You couldn't, you tried, you were just like me, you pushed yourself, you did everything that you could to get there and it just wasn't working and you found another way. And yeah. it's not the easy way. People say it all the time and it's not, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I have done some pretty hard shit. <laughs> um, and it just, uh, I, I just, you have to, people need to remember that. Like you're, you're successful because in a way you have to be selfish and sometimes being selfish is the best thing for you. Yeah. So I've talked about a lot of times on the show with a couple of people who have had uh, weight loss surgery is that it's a tool. And mm -hmm. if you don't use that tool appropriately, if you don't complement that tool with a bunch of other tools, then it's not successful, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people um, are unsuccessful with weight loss surgeries. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the next thing I wanted to get into your story is, so you have the weight loss surgery. Mm -hmm. How does your life change from there? Like eating wise, like how did your eating and nutrition look um, pre and post surgery? You know, what did, how did that change you? Well, pre-surgery, I ate whatever I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> literally. And when I was getting sick and my doctor was like, you need to change some things so we can get, you know, cause you have to lose some people uh, or some insurance companies, you have to lose a certain amount of weight before you did it. So my highest documented weight ever was 415. Um, and then I had to lose, I think they said 30 pounds before I had surgery. And so, um, I, uh, before that, like was eating whatever I wanted, like literally whole pizzas, anything that you can imagine. We've all done it. And then like I, I went into something called a dash diet um, where I just completely got rid of sodium and 
food's just disgusting. <laughs> and so yeah. I didn't eat anything. And I got down to 380 before I had surgery. And then after surgery, you know, there's a certain kind of diet you have to follow, which is consists of like baby food for, you know, ever and then small portions. And then, um, like I said before, my husband was like uh, jumping into the running with me. So he also jumped into the nutrition aspect and we jumped on keto. I don't love it. Um, but it does offer structure to my husband and it offers a no, a no carb option for him, but a low carb option for me. So I can still keep my carbs kind of low. I, I still track what I eat. Um, you know, I track a couple days once a month. So that way I can still stay on track. Um, but I'm not tracking all the time because I think we can all agree that we'd be like a handful of almonds. I'm totally good. And I know some people are like almonds are really healthy, but like if you're eating three handfuls of almonds every single day, it starts to stack up and you know, you have to be mindful of everything, even the healthy things. You can't do things in excess no matter what, because they're always going to cause issues. Um, and so I, you know, I, I do, I try to track a little bit, uh, still, um, a couple days a month just to make sure that I'm staying on track and I'm keeping my portions mindful. Um, I still have a half a cup portion, um, in my work bag to where I still try to like measure my food out and people still give me a hard time. Like you're three years out. Why are you still, you know, trying to eat a half a cup of, uh, you know, this and that. And it's like, you know, I don't ever want to get in that mindset that it's okay. It's, I don't ever want to get in that mindset that it's okay to just completely just go balls to the wall. You know what I mean? Like you don't, mm -hmm. you don't want to be that person arguing with a gas station attendant about Christmas trees again. <laughs> you know, you don't ever want to be that person again. But you can and easily so, become that person again. It's not oh, hard. It is not hard to it fall into so that. so easy. Again, I gained weight when COVID hit and I mean, I gained 37 pounds. I gained 37 pounds like in seven months. And that was like a smack to my face, like how easily you can slip back into it because I didn't really think I was changing that much. I was just laxing on things because, you know, when you work in the medical field, I can't even imagine being a nurse in this, but me being um, a vet tech, like things changed. And so I was working 12 to 14 hour shifts several days a week right in a row, boom, 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 Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I would work these like long shifts and I would make excuses. And so that's when like you were saying, pulling into McDonald's became easier, you know, or, you know, doing these other things. And so I was laxing on like making food at home as often and like eating out more. And um, I, I think at that point I was like, you know, I, I need to get myself back on track. And I had another one of those pivotal moments, not like I did when I was going into the little cat scan machine, but I definitely had a moment when I stepped on the scale and I was like, I don't want to be 270 pounds again someday. So I'm going to have to start scaling back. Yeah. I mean, those moments are crucial. Like I, I'm five years in, like since my heaviest like weight in before quarantine, you know, my weight was creeping back up a little bit. You know, I, I had, um, gotten like under the hundred pounds loss mark. I mean, not like extreme, but it was one of those things like eye opening, like, Hey, I can slip back into this like pretty quickly. Uh, you know, I'm doing the gaining the five pounds uh, every six months or whatever, just because I'm not paying as much attention to it. Mm -hmm. So one thing you said was talking about being mindful with your eating 
and some people call it intuitive eating or mindful eating or whatever, but I really like the idea of tracking like a couple of days a month or once a week or because I eat pretty much the same thing every day. Right. But it is super easy to, I eat the same thing every day, but you know, this week my, I'll eat one serving of almonds, like 10 almonds. Well then I stop counting them or I stop doing whatever. And then it becomes 15 and then it Mm -hmm. becomes 20. And then, well then after, you know, I don't want to go up anymore than that. So maybe I have like six eggs instead of five or whatever. (laughs) And then, so over the week or over the couple of weeks, it grows and grows and grows. So then it's like, Oh, I got to bring myself kind of reset myself a little bit and just being mindful about your diet like that. And like where you're at in general, I, I think a lot of people are worried, like, I have to do this forever. And you do. It is a it is a lifelong journey, but it doesn't have to be as strict as when you're four, five, or however however much pounds you weigh, 400, 500 pounds, whatever, mm-hmm. as whenever you hit like a maintenance. Right. You know, that's whenever you can relax, but it has to be, this is weird to say, but it has to be like a controlled relaxation. You can't just set you it still have and to be mindful. It. Yeah, you still have to be mindful. And um, Did you say set it and forget it? Yeah. Like, you, like you're a crackpot? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You can't just like say, okay, I'm done and, and then just walk away. <laughs> Sorry. I just made a crockpot analogy about a weight loss. I think that's amazing. Yeah. You can't set, you can't you can't. set it and forget it. <laughs> just put your weight loss on five hours and go to sleep. Yeah. We're good. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> so, um, your life definitely had to change a lot, you know, after, um, the weight loss surgery. And so are you to a point now where it is more maintenance or are you still like in a loss phase? So before COVID hit, I was still trying to reach, um, below, um, 200, 200 pounds, which now I kind of had like a realization I'm over six foot. I'm a very, I'm not making excuses. I need everybody that's listening right now. That's all like this woman's making excuses. I'm not making excuses. I'm over six foot and I'm a a curvier woman. Um, And so living at 220 pounds is totally fine with me. I don't, I don't really care what anybody else thinks. Um, I'm still going to wear what I want to wear and I'm still going to do the things I want to do. And so, I mean, I would like to lose a little bit more. Um, and I think that the, every weight loss surgery patient is going to be that person. I'd like to lose a little bit more. I'd like to lose five pounds. I'd like to lose 10 pounds. I'd like to lose another 20 pounds to get to uh, a good goal. Like you were saying, where I could set it and forget it. Um, I want to just kind of be able to still do like a maintained relaxation, uh, where I can just like, I can still check in on myself and I could still do it, but I would have that 20 pounds to kind of play with. Um, cause I know that I would still feel comfortable. And at my lowest, I was at two eleven, but I also came back from a cruise and I'm pretty sure I got something in the Dominican Republic. And that's why I got down to two eleven. <laughs> But, um, so I'm sitting pretty hard at 239 now and, um, I would like to get, I would like to get back down to like 220. I I felt, I know that doesn't sound like a huge difference, but I felt really, really good. I still feel confident. I still feel good. Um, but I felt like my running was on point. I was also training more. I think that the mindset that goes with that poundage loss that I think, you know, you can agree with is when you were at that weight your 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 best weight you were also at your best 
peak fitness. You were pushing yourself. You were doing the things that you wanted to do. I, uh, I don't even really care if I get back to that weight more. So I want to get back on that track of like wanting to lift three days a week and wanting to, you know, continue my running streak. Like I want to, I want to feel like I did at 220, whether I'm at 220 or not. So mm-hmm. whatever that looks like. Yeah. And so I'm a hundred percent with you in that I am struggling with the same thing. So I'm a big believer in like publishing your goals and having pe- and holding, having people hold you accountable. And I said that, you know, I think it was like 15 weeks left in the year or something like that. Like I wanted to lose 20 pounds, get to the lowest I've ever been. And I have to be full transparency here. Like I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but I haven't lost a single pound, you know, and it's been weeks and that is not like me. Cause I'm usually like, I set the goal and I smash it, but I, I can a hundred percent tell you the reason and excuse or not, whatever. It's like, I'm super happy with where I'm at right now. And literally the, the goal to lose 20 pounds is, is based around the fact of like, I want to look, I wanted, I kind of want, I don't know. I've never been like shredded in my entire life. Like, you know, like very, very lean. And so it's really kind of like a a vanity thing. Like I just want to do it just so I can see myself like that one time. But it's like, I really enjoy where I'm at right now. Uh, You know, like I'm lifting weights five days a week. I'm doing a bunch of jujitsu. I'm, you know, super active. My performance is great. And it's like, I'm, I'm unmotivated. I don't have like the why to get there, you know? So I'm with you. Like I feel good where I'm at. I don't, you know, I'm just trying to lose a little bit more to be losing a little bit more. Not because it's going to make me, not because it's going to make me better. It's not going to make you a better person if you're 20 pounds less. And I think that's why your brain is telling you it's okay because you're happy and that's okay. You're okay. It's okay to be happy 20 or 30 pounds bigger than what you thought you were going to be. And that was something that really kind of just like punched me in the gut. And I remember I was talking to somebody and they're like, that sounds like excuses. And I was like, to you, it does. And that's okay. Like to you, what sounds happy is holding yourself so accountable that you were hitting the goals that you want. And that's totally fine. But I'm happy. Like I'm happy. I want to feel a little bit better. And I think that I just need to hold myself more accountable. So it's not really a number. It's more of a, like, it's a feeling. And if you're feeling good about it, then I think you should stay where you're at. And I, and I could see in your face when you were talking about it, you're just like, I haven't really, I haven't really done this and I don't know why I haven't, but like you could still see that you're happy where you're at. And I think that that's the most important thing. Yeah. Well, it's just painful to say because like we've talked about like the mindset that you have is like, yeah, yeah, like goals, like when I say it, I'm going to do it. And it's like looking at it's, I think in my mind, like I'm not incapable of doing this. It's like, I just don't really want to do it. (laughs) If that, if that makes sense, sense, I, I, you know, in to anyone for in like your situation, you're talking about anyone that says it's an excuse and it's like, well, is, you know, 180 or 70 or whatever, however many pounds you've lost, is that an excuse because I've done that? Like, why do you think I couldn't lose this like five or 10 or whatever? And so I don't know. It's, it's all about, that's why the goals have to have a bigger picture. That's why it was easy to, for me to lose 130 pounds. Cause like the why behind it was, I want to be here. I want to be healthy in this last 20 pounds is not about me being healthy. Like I'm at a great weight for myself, you know, and it's, 
it's there's not the reason behind it there's not like the passion behind it right now mm-hmm. and you know i just in my mind just like conquering things that's what i want to do so right you look happy you look healthy and i think at the end of the day those are the things that we need to remember like yep. when i think back i remember i showed a picture to somebody when i was 211 and i looked gross and and i i know that people are like 211 is not a low weight but for somebody that was over well over 400 pounds um you know seeing myself like that i did i didn't look good and i didn't look happy and i i know i just came back with the dominican republic disease but i mean it was i also didn't look happy because i was trying to maintain that and i was like eating 800 calories a day two years out trying to you know i was still trying to push myself and you being somebody that is a runner you would know that you can't eat 800 calories a day and run so no. I was miserable. I don't, I don't run and I eat like 3,000 calories. <laughs> you, you had to say it again. I don't run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just want everybody, I don't want anyone to be confused that I'm. Nobody mistake that. It was yeah. <laughs> a long time ago. It's in the past. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, all right. This is a, a sensitive topic for some people, but, mm-hmm. um, and I talked about it a little bit on my last podcast. So it's a little repeat, but as a woman, like I want to get your perspective on it. I joined a bunch of like, um, Facebook groups when I first started this of like mm-hmm. weight loss this weight loss that blah 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 and it was and I wanted to get see what people were struggling with what questions they had and overwhelmingly I see this and it blows my mind and it's that I see people post I want to lose weight but I don't want to have extra skin right yeah that seems to be like a big thing for people yeah and so you know obviously with a massive weight loss like you have i'm sure that that exists for you it does for Mm -hmm. me and i've lost 130 pounds so how have you dealt with that mentally what would you say to those people who are scared to lose weight because of that you know what's your perspective on that well i'm abrasive so i would probably shake my arm flap at them um (laughs) but more so i mean wouldn't you be wouldn't you be more afraid of it killing you though like 100 percent for me yeah, like I remember seeing that. I did. I, I joined some Facebook groups too, and I actually left Facebook. Like I'm still on it, but I left all those groups because there's a lot of negativity, but a lot of people saying like, I want to lose weight, but this isn't happening fast enough, or I want to lose weight, but I'm not really hitting the goals that I want to hit, um, you know, and giving up. But I feel like the skin thing also is a bit of an excuse like i know i just said something about excuses and what makes people happy if being overweight is what makes you happy then great but i don't think you'd be on a facebook group if being overweight is what makes you yeah, happy exactly not in a way um, yeah and um so it to me like you're gonna have loose skin you're, you're gonna it's either gonna be full or it's not and at the end of the day like you're just gonna have to trade one for the other like it, it's a, it, it is there. I look like a sugar glider and I'm totally fine with it. <laughs> like, sugar I know I just glider. used an animal analogy and everybody's probably like, what the hell? But they have a lot of skin. So, or like a basset hound. That's what my friend and I always say, uh, run Bo Bright. She's the other one that's doing the running streak. We always say that we look like basset hounds. And you know what? I would happily be a basset hound any day of the week than just to, I don't know, look like I'm miserable. You know, I, I don't know. Like, that just, just seems like a silly thing. Like, I don't want loose skin. I don't want to not be able to live my life either. So, I'm going to title this episode Crockpots and Sugar Gliders. 
people are going to be like, we're never, ever going to listen to that. (laughs) (laughs) So I I agree with you, obviously, (laughs) in that like you're trading your health for looks. And Mm -hmm. whenever I see that question, uh, this could be bad of me, but when I see that question, I just think like you're not going to make it you're not mm-hmm. gonna be successful because it's that your, mindset your motivation behind the weight loss is wrong like if you i'm telling you if your motivation to get off the couch is like so i can look good at this wedding or i can look good for whatever like that's, that's that's gonna be great but it's gonna fall off because it's not you know once you hit that wedding and then you decide to go eat fast food or go back to your normal whatever lifestyle it's just it's not going to hold up like you have to have a bigger reason behind it and so when I see that question you know maybe that's the wrong attitude but I just like worry that those people aren't going to make it I agree I agree with you 100% and I still see people talk about it now um it's actually weirdly a thing that a lot of people that aren't a part of the weight loss surgery or weight loss community they ask or they ask how I maintain it and it's like you said, it's kind of a intimate or weird question, but at the same time, like, they're just like, you have so much leftover skin. Like it literally looks like I take hoodies and stuff them in my pants <laughs> because I have a lot of extra skin. Um, but I would, I would trade everything for this, you know, like I would trade everything because it like, it's like you said, you, you just, you, everything just feels a lot better. And again, what we were talking about earlier, like success, people equating weight loss or like thinner people to success, like people treat me different and like people are nice to me. And it's just, I would, I would give up everything for this. It's just, it's amazing. And I, I want to keep going um, and I hope to continue to be just as successful in five years. Yeah, people definitely treat you different. Like, you know, we talked about earlier how people look at people who are overweight and mm-hmm. think that they're lazy and all these things. Like, you know, for a long time, I really I tried to justify it. Like, that's just in my head. You know, maybe it's just me thinking that they think differently of me. But I really, I don't know. I mean, I think it's true. Like, I think people definitely have more confidence in you in that kind of thing whenever you are in shape or not, you know, not morbidly obese. Mm-hmm. So, but I also think that that goes in with what you just said, and I didn't think about it until you said it. People have more confidence in you, but also because you have more confidence in yourself. You know what I mean? Because I've seen bigger people that are extremely confident, and I'm like, I need to be doing whatever she's doing because she's like, she feels good, she's happier. I need to be on his like hype level because he's feeling really good about it, and it their weight doesn't even like compute to me. Cause I'm so focused and caught up in their confidence and their happiness that it doesn't, but the people that are very sad and, and the people that are making excuses and the people that just don't, they're not doing anything. I think that's, that's the people that I worry about because it's, there is no, there's no why yet, but I hope that they all, I hope everybody finds their why I really do. I hope we all succeed. (laughs) I hope everybody is successful as well. But uh, (laughs) so with that, I want to give you an opportunity to let the listeners know we want to make them all successful. What's one tip that would help them out to be successful? 
I don't know if anybody or if everybody's already said this, but stop comparing yourself to to everybody's highlight reel. Like, don't do it. I, I, I see people do it all the time. People that I love so much and they're like, look how fast this person can run or look how much this person can lift. Um, you know, and I... I genuinely just want to say, don't compare yourself, not even for a second. There's, I, I actually did it not too long ago. There's a gentleman that reached out to me because I was struggling a little bit with my running and stuff, um, shrinking 400. Yep. Um, and he was like talking to me about running and all this other stuff. And I remember we were talking about like PRs and like how fast we can run. And, and I remember like he ran and he ran faster than I did. And it was just like his first like real stab at it. And I was, pissed and I was put I told myself that I had to get I had to do better and I was pushing myself and pushing myself and pushing myself and I did a trail run um over the like early uh fall late summer and I ended up spreading my ankle both ways because I was pushing myself like I was pushing myself to do better and to push harder and like to be better and I remember like in my head like thinking like I want to do better than all these people that are doing like, really well and you know, when I fell face first in a field and people were jumping over me and I couldn't even stand and I had to hobble the rest of the way for the rest of my stupid little run. I was like, yeah, I'm done. I, I can't compare myself. You know what I mean? And like, I, I can't say it enough. Stop comparing yourself to people. Just compare yourself to the day before, whatever that looks like. Hold yourself accountable, whatever that looks like. But also learn to be really happy with the things that you're happy with like the things that make you really happy, just enjoy them and, and, and stop thinking that they can be better. Yeah. I think the saying is uh comparison is the thief of joy, right? For sure. And that's definitely true. Um, everybody is in a different spot, right? And mm -hmm. you have to realize the improvements you've made from where you've come from. And so I think like comparing yourself to the day before is perfect. You know, it's a, probably an overused thing but like just trying to be one percent better every day yeah. using like some self-reflection and thinking was i better than yesterday and if you are great if not figure out how to be better tomorrow or today or you know and that doesn't always have to equate in weight loss nope. just knowing that you know you just have to try to do something a little bit better like even if it's just improving yourself mentally like just take care of yourself i, I think that's the best way or that's the best thing that i can give anybody like to be a little selfish take care of yourself don't compare yourself to other people all right and so before we get off here i want to give you a chance to let everyone know where to find you on social media um it would be sugar gliders are uh, no, <laughs> um rock, rock pots are right. <laughs> yes no um i changed my name i can't even remember it now oh you earn every underscore mile where does that come from? Um, what's the, what's the logic behind the name? I was like, what do you mean? Where's that come from? It was words that I put together. <laughs> um, my, one of my very best friends said that to me when I, when I ran and I was like so upset and I was just like, I only ran seven miles and they're like, you earned every one of those miles. And I remember like, as soon as he said that to me, I changed my name. I was like, Oh my God, it's so true. I earned every mile. And I know it sounds so corny, but it was like, I did. That's what I love about running. You earn all of it. None of it's yeah. given to you. And it's such an amazing feeling. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. I uh, really enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> Me as well. Thank you so much. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Hungry for Success podcast. I hope you guys have a great week and stay hungry. Remember to go to the Instagram Hungry for Success podcast. Give that a follow. Make sure you hit subscribe and share this episode with your family and friends. Share it on Instagram or whatever you can do to support the show. All right, folks, stay hungry. We'll see you next week.